following is a presentation of the Retro Network. Hello, Box Office 30 listeners. Pete here from the Days of Future Past. There's an old Yiddish proverb that says, Man plans and God laughs. Well, that couldn't be truer as we headed into the first episode of Box Office 30 in 2021. Unfortunately, we had a technical snafu that caused us to lose a bunch of audio from this episode. What follows is the result of some blood, sweat, and tears to piece back together as much of it as possible. I wanted to give a big thank you to Michael, who helped a great deal in this, as it was largely his audio that was lost. And I wanted to thank and apologize to our guest Tom for his great insights, and that we ended up having to cut a fair amount of content, particularly in our recall section. Hopefully, we'll be back to bringing you our normal, overly long episodes again really soon. Enjoy. Strap in, movie fans. We're about to take you 30 years into the past to explore the biggest blockbuster hits of the 1990s. I'm Pete. And I'm Michael. And And this this is is Box Office 30. 30. Who is your daddy and what does he do? Hello, hello, and Happy New Year from Box Office 30. As usual, I am joined by my good friend and buddy, Michael. How are you, sir? I'm good, Pete. How are you? It's uh, good to be in the new year and starting off fresh. Here we go. Nice. (laughs) And uh, as promised, we have our second ever special guest this month, my very good longtime friend coming from halfway around the world, Tom. And that's spelled... uh, T carrot H O M, right? <laughs> How are you, sir? Yes, I'm good. Uh, happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, yes, too. Thank you. So, speaking of, uh, how'd you guys, uh, how'd you over the holidays? What was what was good and different? Anything new? Anything fun you did? Or just more of the uh, Rona indoors stuff? <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, right now I'm in Macau, which is a special administrative region of China. And we have no coronavirus, so it was holidays as usual here. Uh, yeah, wow, that's cool. Not be too bad. <laughs> yeah, I, I went to a, a Christmas party where I didn't know half of the people there. That's, that's interesting. <laughs> that, that sounds like a, a time long forgotten here. <laughs> yeah, basically, if it's not the children in my house or my wife... I basically know no one either. So it's kind of the same, <laughs> you know, basically for us, we, uh, you know, we did uh, Christmas at home and, you know, we had my in-laws over and my parents over the next day. And, you know, it's kind of funny though, when you have little kids, because, you know, Grace is four, but Charlotte is one and she can't really open presents. So Grace had to open up everybody's gifts. And after a while she was kept saying like, daddy, I'm tired. I don't want to open any more presents. I'm like, what kid doesn't want to open more presents on Christmas Day? It's so bizarre. But I guess because the baby's little, she can't do it. So Grace was like, I needed a break. And I'm like, uh, okay. You know, it's, it is what it is, I guess, you know? Yeah, it's funny. I was trying to remember back myself about that, about how my brother and I sort of handled Christmas morning, things like that. And uh, I, I don't know. I can't tell if it was either that we would like open something really cool and stop and want to play with that for the bit and forget the other stuff. because That's definitely how mine seemed to function. You know, like they get into like one like, like, oh, wow, I got a, a Pikachu. And it's like, all right, you know, like another half an hour later, it's like, Look at all that other stuff, guys. How about some of that? You know? We're going to be here all day. Oh, yeah. When we got to like the the frozen gifts and those kind of things, Grace would open a box. We're like, okay, I'm going to go play with Elsa now. And I'm like, but we got so many more gifts to do. Let's yeah. go. <laughs> it's crazy. I'm one of my uh, few um, time traveling friends, a couple people I know that are on like the far, far side of the planet. So I, I think I was chatting with you in preparation of, of figuring out exactly when we would be on here, mm-hmm. kind of leading into New Year's. You were already in 2021 when we were still back in 2020, and I was like, oh, time travel. Yeah, <laughs> the <amazing>. future. <laughs> um, yeah, what's the, the most annoying part of the time travel right now is that we don't follow daylight savings time. Oh, wow, so, that's interesting. Uh, right now you guys are 13 hours ahead of me. 
where (laughs) it's usually a lot easier because during daylight savings time, you're 12 hours. So it's just Uh, change the AM and PM and we're set. Interesting. Yeah, you you very kindly sent me the uh, that link that you had for figuring out like in New Jersey to Macau, like what yes. the time difference. Was. I was like, this is very helpful, actually. <laughs> That's pretty funny. I I wouldn't know. I'm just l- glad it's uh, able to meet up here. <laughs> you know, it's kind of funny. So, Pete, how was your holiday? Uh, it's kind of the same. Christmas was pretty low key. You know, we've been we were when the kids were younger, just going immediately out to my folks house now we try and do christmas morning here um so we we spent probably the longest we had out here and then took a drive out to my folks um which now having moved to new jersey is the the longest ride that we're also taking out there historically yeah it's a long Um, ride you know just just saw them and immediate family and then basically turned around and came back a day or two later um and then new year's was like a non-thing like we were actually watching um batman uh forever Yes. Um, uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I've been like randomly rewatching uh, those uh, movies lately. So um, we were watching that, and like midnight rolled around, and I like leaned over, gave Ange like a, a quick peck, and was like, uh, "Happy New Year's!" And she's like, "It's twelve already." And I was like, "Yep." <laughs> she's like, "I ought to go to bed." <laughs> so yeah, nothing terribly exciting or fun. <laughs> yeah, we didn't even make it to the ball drop. It was like eleven thirty. We had been, you know, drinking a bottle of wine and kind of would put on Seinfeld and fell asleep on the couch and woke up at like two in the morning and we're like, oh, I guess it's the new year. Oh, you know, cool. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Moving on. Let's go back to sleep now. Didn't even make it, huh? Nope. Not even a minute. Not even a chance. (laughs) Just fell right to sleep. I was tired. (laughs) Yeah, we uh, we cut the cord, so I don't even have um, a means of watching the ball drop or anything this year. I guess we could have found it on like youtube or something maybe but yeah it was it was a real non new year's <laughs> yeah. so tom how did you spend last night uh two nights ago for me two nights ago <laughs> oh yeah two, two nights, nights ago, ago. <laughs> right um yeah uh, again i was at the same people that i was at for christmas uh, at their place uh, about a half dozen people i didn't know <laughs> it was very very much like the olden days <laughs> I even wore a tie. Like, like <laughs> I'm on the edge of not knowing what that is anymore. <laughs> I, I I haven't even worn pants that button in. I can't even tell you how long. <laughs> like I last time I had anything to do with a tie, I was interviewing for my new job back in August, and I was getting that on and getting a suit on. And Ange came by and was literally like, "What are you doing? This is like a Zoom call interview. I wouldn't <laughs> wear a tie. They're gonna think you're trying too hard." <laughs> So I did nix the tie. Then as it turned out, they didn't even do a video interview, so I could have just literally worn pajamas. Really? They did it over the phone? That's so weird. Not a bummer. Yeah, at least the first one. uh, Like the the follow-up, we ended up doing a a video call. Um, But it's sad because the initial call, I tried to do like a nice lighting setup and everything to kind of like prove my merit. And it was like, nope, wah-wah. Oh, no. That sucks. Well, speaking of New Year... I thought I'd mention we've got a whole new roster of podcasts ahead here in 2021 and conversely, 30 years, 1991. And uh, for those who are curious, and I was thinking, uh, Michael, among them, for sure, (laughs) I'm sure you want to know what we've got lying ahead here. Here's our list of uh, top movies that we're going to be rewatching and reviewing throughout 2021. So uh, obviously, we're kicking things off this month with the fabulous Kindergarten Cop. Um, which I lucked into the uh, the note-taking on. Yeah, I don't know how you got <laughs> Yes. And uh, following up next month, we're going to do Sleeping with the Enemy. Now, that would be uh, technically the next one you're scheduled to do. But uh, as you might um, go down the list here, I-, I thought I might offer you as a goodwill 2021, <laughs> a-, a one-time yeah. chance to flip the script. And, and pick the opposite batch. But let me run through them here, and you'll see if uh, if you're interested in that. So following that one up is going to be Silence of the Lambs. Uh, Michael's next uh, note-taker would be Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze. Mm. Coming up after that, what about Bob? After that, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Terminator 2, Judgment Day. Hot Shots. Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare, which Tom and I were discussing. He'd maybe like to come back and, and do another guest spot on, so we can lock him in for that one, I think. Yes. <laughs> yeah, by all means, because I, I can't watch that stuff. <laughs> we've got uh, The Fisher King, The Addams Family, and one of my favorite 
ever movies hook to round out the end of the year. So I don't know. I mean, you take a look down that list and, and you'll see uh, if, if, if you want to take up like a one time only flip the script on who's doing the notes for some of those. <laughs> so I'll, I'll make you a trade. I'm not a big hook fan. So <laughs> if, if I know you love hook, let's take if you want hook, I'll take Silence of the Lambs. How's that sound? OK, that's going to get way confusing, but that's why I've got this uh, demarcated here with uh, C's and P's. So <laughs> we're going to get like the uh, the football season here, uh, making some trades, making some deals. <laughs> I can see it happening already. Yeah, I just I don't know. I'm like, I'm not a big hook fan. So. Yeah, I think you've mentioned that before. Yeah, <laughs> this was one that was like one of my top, top childhood favorite movies. But you know what? We'll get back to that. In, in December, if yeah. we're all still here in December. <laughs> oh, the world is an end by then. I see uh, Judgment Day in the middle of the list there. Yeah. That, that doesn't bode well for 2021. It, it does not bode trend. well. It's kind of odd that it happens to fall like, as it does. Yes. It's a little strange. <laughs> so, just curious, like, taking a look at, at that list of top movies here, either one of you have a, uh, a hot pick for what you think might end up being the top box office hit for for 1991 ah i mean i have to go with uh judgment day i would assume yeah tom you have a a different take on that turtles (laughs) (laughs) while i wish it was turtles it is in fact terminator 2 judgment day um funny enough it doesn't end up being quite as big a year it seems like on box office as 1990 was like overall some of the the biggest movies did lower numbers but Again, we'll get to that as we get to some of those uh, dates further on in time here. It's interesting, though. I mean, yeah, it is kind of a lighter year, I guess, but it's still a good stack of movies. I will say that um, 1991, I seem to know more of the movies than I did for 1990. Fair enough. Yeah, that's actually a really good point. I think uh, I think by and large, each of these is ones that I think I've seen all these. Yeah, I mean, I'm a little forgetful on a few of them but i'm pretty sure i've seen all these unlike you know we had some 90s ones that, that i think you and i both hadn't seen i so. mean i i've seen pretty much all these the only one that i'm really a little foggy on is the fisher king i i know what it's about who's in it i yeah. guess but other than that what i was thinking as well that's the only one i'm really kind of lost about but you know a lot of these movies are really good and i'm looking forward to, to talking about them all right well I, I thought we'd kick into a brand new segment um which uh, we did not do for my other half, (laughs) but we're going to do for Tom because we like him that much. (laughs) And we're going to call this, uh, this new segment character development. Okay, so, uh, Tom, we've got you on the show here. Um, this is just a, a slightly fancier way of having you introduce our, yourself to our uh, listenership here. So why don't you just give us a little rundown, tell us a little bit about yourself, tell us a little bit about some of your favorite formative movies from the 90s. Sure. Um, so I'm Tom Ferlisi, a child of the 90s. Um, I, I'm younger than anybody you've had here. Uh, in January of 1991, I was only six years old. Um, so throughout the nineties, my, my favorite types of movies were Disney movies of the age and horror slasher movies, uh, (laughs) particularly like Freddy Krueger and Ghostface from Scream. Uh, I mean, it was this crazy, I'd watch a Disney movie and then a horror movie. (laughs) (laughs) I, I, Pete, I wanted to tell how, how we met. Uh, It was through your wife, Angie, uh, Angie and I went to university together, um, and you came to visit one weekend, and I, I remember Was that. this the uh, weekend <laughs> of the uh, famous Monuments documentary? Oh, that's later. No, we, Tom and I would have known each other by that. But this is at a point in time, and this will mean nothing uh, to anybody except probably Tom, Angie, and maybe a few other select people, but I, I was already long since having uh, uh, times where uh, Tom was at the uh, Hollywood video with Angie because she was cold, and... <laughs> I'm calling Tom. Where's Angie? <laughs> right? Where's Angie? Yeah. <laughs> now, for, for, for about four, I guess, uh, two and a half years, three years, 
yeah. Pete would call me saying, where's Angie? Oh, God. Because <laughs> he, I think Tom was the responsible one. Like, yes. uh, like Somehow, like, uh, you guys would, I think basically how that would always happen was, like, you guys would end up going somewhere. I'd be trying to get a hold of her about something. And then, like, inevitably couldn't connect to her. And so then I'm like, oh, my God, they're in D.C., They've been mugged and murdered in a side street. Let me call Tom first and double check that first. And and Tom's just like, yes, he's here. We're all good. <laughs> that was my paranoia creeping in. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I I've been uh, I was an early childhood educator for fourteen years. Eleven of them in kindergarten. Uh, just like our hero of this movie, Mr. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, This year, I'm actually teaching drama, which I've uh, studied also. Uh, I started teaching in America, but I've been in Asia for the past seven years. That's interesting. Which I think is so cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah, seven years. That's the funny thing. I started going to like um, write up some of the show notes, and I was like, oh, the past few years. I'm like, no, it's been longer. (laughs) Like, It's been a long time. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy, but I mean, it's it's super cool, you know. And I I think it's uh, I think another thing to point out for Tom, um, he's probably too humble to maybe say so himself. Maybe you'll correct me. One of the most educated people I know, like several several degrees over, you know, like Thank always, you. you know, like uh, one of these people where it's like every time I chat with you, it's like, oh, I'm you know going after this now, I'm going after this now, and I think kind of like you, what you're kind of like aiming for like um doing like a principal sort of thing at a point right? yes uh so yes i do have uh two masters one from nyu uh where i studied educational theater and one from towson university where i studied special education and right now through just a, a state school in maryland i'm i'm getting my principal uh certificate that's pretty cool that's awesome good for you thanks so favorite formative movies from the 90s what uh what stuck out to you what's your favorite All right. So I've already mentioned the Disney movies and and the horror movies, but I thought, okay, those are more like just the genre of movies that I like. I think coming out of the 90s and and a movie that like today I can still sit down and watch and love was Sister Act. Okay. It's a good movie. Whoopi, Whoopi Goldberg running around in a nun's outfit. Like, you cannot get any better than that. And then you add in the singing. Like, like this. that's that's everything I love about movies. It is a great movie. The singing is awesome. Totally. I mean, Whoopi is hilarious. And it has a great ensemble cast as well. It's just an enjoyable movie to watch. And they've uh, recently announced uh, Sister Act 3. Oh, interesting. Is she coming back for that? Uh, yes. I wonder what the plot's going to be. <laughs> I just, I just hope that they can get uh, Dame Maggie Smith to reprise her role as much. Yeah, as right. I would like it if they followed like the Mighty Ducks sort of thing, where <laughs> it starts off like kind of small, and I guess for the third movie they have to like take the nuns to like the Vatican for like the World <laughs> Championship Nun Singing Competition or something like that. Although I guess that's not how it went. Mighty Ducks had a weird arc, right? It, like it was like small town team. Goes on to be like the uh, like Junior Olympics and then college. <laughs> you know, they, yeah, they, they have to beat the varsity team or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I take it back. That so was a weird, weird arc. Never mind. <laughs> yes. They, uh, Kathy and Jimmy is coming back. Um, I've heard all the original cast, but I have not heard anything about Maggie Smith coming back. So it's going to be a good movie no matter what. Now, you reminded me with the um, Disney stuff that Tom is also my resident Disney expert on, like, literally all things Disney, particularly park stuff. I realized that if we come along and end up on a um, Disney movie at some point, which I think we narrowly miss um, Beauty and the Beast uh, in the box office at some point here. Um, Yeah, in 1991, I think. Um, But if if we get a uh, top-of-the-shelf Disney movie, we're definitely going to have to have you come back for, for that, for sure. Yes. And maybe we'll have you pop in as a special correspondent for some of those uh, <laughs> ones that don't quite hit the very, very top. That would be there. helpful. <laughs> so being in the uh, area that you are in Macau um, and in China and in various spots over the past years here, uh, you know, we, Mike and I have talked a little bit about like how the um, Asian movie market is such a big factor in, in a lot of things. We talked about this with 
uh, Mulan, which uh, I know you're a big Mulan person. Not necessarily. I don't know where you stand on the new Mulan. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yeah, I see a cringe face there. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we won't. We won't open that wound again but uh just kind of curious on your take you know having lived in that area um what's the asian movie market been like for you what's what's the movie going experience there like in the past and and kind of now um so pre-covid um we would get mostly uh blockbusters summer blockbusters uh when i lived in beijing dear god it was only superhero movies could I see in the in the movie theater. That was the only foreign film. <laughs> oh wow, that's funny. That's um, weird. I, I guess that makes sense. Were yeah. superhero movies that was. And were it. they subtitled or are they? Um, yes, dubbing it or they yeah. they were um, foreign films over here are generally just subtitled in English and the local. Oh language. wow, that's interesting. <laughs> so a um, whole lot of stuff on the screen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um. I did see a, a couple movies when I was in Japan. Um, those are not subtitled at all. Oh boy! <laughs> um, they, they they just assume you can speak China, uh, Japanese. No good luck. Um, gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's it's much more luxurious than going to like your Lowe's down the street. That's um, cool. Interesting. Even the the base tickets are all reservations. You don't you don't have to show up 30 minutes before the movie and claim you claim the best seat um and and most of the chairs are, are of generous proportions <laughs> see now, the funny thing that might go to show how long you have been out of the u.s i don't know is there anywhere around here now that's not doing totally reserved seating anymore well i think if you go to like a matinee at a small mom and pop movie theater you wouldn't have to do that but most of the multiplexes are all you know, reserve seating, choose your location, all that kind of stuff. Okay. Yeah, Pete and I aren't really the type that uh, want to stand in line for four hours anymore and try to, like, <laughs> figure out, you know, are we going to get a seat? Are we going to be in the nosebleeds or the front row? You know, we do all that reserve seating stuff. And, <laughs> you know, they also have a, a lot of cool leatherback seats because we're lazy and we're old now. We want to be able to relax and stretch out. So it's just you know it's it's moved it's come a long way in in the in the time that you've been gone. Yes, yeah. Not like a fancier version. It's also not like the AMC uh, dine-in, which is actually pretty cool under its under its own. They're they're like craft beers and oh yeah, and the sort of the Alamo Draft House is the coolest place. Like they, it's like literally going to a restaurant and a movie theater at the same time, and you just sort of like. You know, ordering a beer, getting a burger, you got a table, it's a whole thing. It's, a, yes. it's an experience, and it's a smaller theater, um, too, which is nice. We we definitely have a lot more, like, VIP movie screens with, with couches and uh, recliners. Um, and com- compared to U.S. ticket prices, they're not too much more than, than seeing a movie in Manhattan. Yeah, Pete and I, last time we went to... The- movie we sold a kidney to go see a movie yes <laughs> yeah now they're practically trying to give the tickets away <laughs> yeah that's true i'm sure the the most recent movie that i've seen was freaky so here in macau we do get a little more uh smaller movies than than i did in beijing because they're uh over in mainland there there's a rule there can only be 37 foreign films in a year um, so, so here in Macau, we can have as many foreign films as the market can, can hold. Um, so I do get to see a lot more small movies, not just, uh, superhero movies and blockbusters. Uh, but freaky, um, I was in the VIP experience, um, on a, on a Barca lounger and, and you have the server coming, giving you all these treats. It's not quite a meal. It's, it's lots of fingery food. Uh, and Freaky was all right. It wasn't as gory as I had wanted it to be, um, and it also wasn't as funny as I'd wanted it to be. Yeah, that that's well, kind of, you know, <laughs> not to be surprising, I, I guess, yeah. but it it is what it is. You know, it, it it's a cool twist on the actual Freaky Friday kind of theme, you know? Freaky Friday. It's it's yeah. it's Freaky Friday. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's it's, you know, I guess it's kind of a fun way to twist it up and make it kind of interesting, and, you know, it's... I kind of want to see it when it comes on whatever, you know, platform it'll be streaming at at some point. Have you gotten to see any big films like Wonder Woman there yet? 
No. Um, Freaky was the first foreign film that's been uh, released here since the the movie theaters opened back up. Um, and we're starting to get some Japanese foreign films also. Um, but a lot of it's just Chinese uh, cinema. I think they're waiting for um, Hong Kong because our market, uh, Macau doesn't have its own market. We, we are the Hong Kong market. So uh, the situation is a lot different in Hong Kong than it is in Macau for coronavirus. So Wonder Woman, um, the new James Bond movie, the ads are, are, have been out since, since before coronavirus. But uh, because it's not safe to open movie theaters in Hong Kong, they haven't sent the movies here to Macau yet. Cool. Well, thank you for the uh, kind of insight into that. So uh, before we wrap up our character development section here, I thought uh, as a fun way to do this for you and for guests going forward here is to pop off a uh, fun secret question relevant to, to the podcast here. So the question that I have for you for this time around is if you had to pick one 1990s movie character that you could be, who would it be? Why? Like, like be for Halloween or, or, or like, just be like, like if you, if you could like inhabit that character's uh, world. <laughs> I, I think I'd want to be Alma May. All right. Uh, Whoopi's character from Ghosts. I, I think, uh, <laughs> like, you'd be able to talk to dead people and not in a, a sixth sense kind of way. <laughs> Although I don't know how much she loved that. <laughs> I think she liked it when she was, like, uh, doing so without actually talking to them. Yes. <laughs> But I, I imagine that as 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 the Patrick Swayze character left and, and moved on, and Demi Moore would vouch for for Alma May, that that she became she became better at it and and more adept at it, and just would enjoy it. Yeah, we're getting into uh, sequel quest territory here, but it, it might be that there's like a uh, ghost two yeah. specific to her where. Where she's gotten really good at that. She's got like a TV show. She actually connects with people's lost relatives. She's she's gotten that four million dollars through uh, like ad revenue. You know, yeah, <laughs> she's doing much better off. <laughs> she's an influencer now. Yes, yes. I hope she still has that giant hair. That's one of my favorite things about that. <laughs> she would have to. I mean, that's that's the default. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Well, uh, you hit on this a little bit already, so I'm gonna I'm gonna dive down this hole a little further. Um, last gasp of 2020 box office news. We're in the new year, but I can't escape uh, a little last mention of 2020. Um, over Christmas, Wonder Woman 84 dropped um, on HBO Max, but also in the box office at the same time. Um, of note, it had the highest box office opening weekend since the beginning of the pandemic, with 16.7 million domestic and 85 million gross so far worldwide. So have you both seen it? What's the verdict? Could not see it yet. I've seen it. Well, it, you know, it's it's a movie, you know? <laughs> it's, it's, Fair enough. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's. I feel like Warner Brothers made a really smart decision in releasing this movie at this time. There's nothing else out. Nothing else is coming to compete with it. If they were trying to put this out during the summer when all the movies may come back and they're dealing with, you know, trying to battle with that, I think this movie would get crushed. But right now, people are starving for entertainment. It's the week after The Mandalorian finished. It was before Karate Kid or Cobra Kai, whatever it's called. Um, it felt like the right time to do this. Otherwise, the movie kind of would have probably been in bad shape in the, in the summer blockbuster. Yeah, um, I, I definitely agree. I'm, I'm, again, curious to see how this dynamic between HBO Max and the theaters is going to go. I'm curious if HBO will release data at some point about how successful or not successful they're doing uh, via this method, because I've seen some other little hints that they're already planning some of these as far out as 2023 for limited time release things and, and such. So I don't know. I'm really curious how it's going to, you know, stand the test of time and, and go through these waters as, you know, the theaters do hopefully start reopening and things like that. I, given what they're looking at as far as vaccine sort of distribution here, 
you know, it looks like your average person's not going to start receiving them at best until May, you know, like when we normally be talking about summer releases. So I, you know, I'm still not thinking the box office is going to look anything remotely like normal until hopefully maybe at the end of next year, of the end of this year, 2021. Um, so I don't know. I'm really curious to see how these things are going to go. Movie itself, as you said, yeah, it's a movie. <laughs> I, I I generally like um, that they produced a DC movie with a color palette. Yeah, the colors are beautiful in this movie. And uh, a little bit of joy in it. <laughs> um, I don't think I was as down on it as, as you were from the little bit of discussion you and I have had. Um, I know... Angie didn't like it and was questioning it like in the middle of it. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it felt very comic booky to me. Um, yeah. Maybe in some ways positive and in some ways negative. Um, but I don't know. We could talk about that in another 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, what else did I see? I recently watched this uh, Death to 2020 on Netflix from the creators of Black Mirror. Oh, I was curious to see that. It's really good kind of mockumentary, but if you're looking for a Black Mirror kind of a thing, yeah, it's 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 good. It's really interesting, but it's not a Black Mirror, you know, you want to, you know, throw yourself off of, you know, into a lake and just try to, like, wake yourself up from the nightmare of horrors that, that the move the show is. It's actually very interesting, and the cast, they get to, like, play these fake characters is a lot of fun. Um, but it's a good show and it's, it's a good, you know, movie to watch just to kind of disconnect and see how the year went. And, and it's, it's interesting. I would, I would say recommend it. Excellent. So last night I just saw a uh, soul on Disney plus. Yeah. Oh, how was that? I really want to see that. I, I'm interested to see that movie. Is it good? I found that this was this was a poor showing, considering um, that the the people who wrote it and created this also created Up and um, Inside Out, Inside Out. And, um, and Coco. Yeah, and I felt that this was just a rehash of the themes of Coco, but instead of with a Mexican. Uh, background with a jazz background and and uh, an african-american protagonist instead of a mexican protagonist hmm. it's really interesting you compare it to coco i wasn't even thinking about it from that angle but from like the purely like otherworldly cosmical sense of what you experience it definitely seems to feel like or borrow definitely a lot from the coco visual right. library you know what i mean um and then this to me felt like a prequel to Inside Out. This almost feels like a spiritual, like, here's what happens, like, you know, an inside view of, like, what happens before, you know, you're <laughs> alive, and then, like, the interior little people, like, it's almost, you know, similar in that way, like, that, that one little soul breaks out into the little emotions and things like that. Yeah, you know, I liked this one, or at least I liked it better than Wonder Woman 84, <laughs> if I have to compare the two Christmas Day releases. Um, but, as you say, it does feel like it's just treading the same waters that they've done in, in other spots. Um, you know, things have not a hundred percent been the same since um, John Lasseter left um, Pixar yes. for better or worse. Um, you know, Pete doctor and crew do good work, but yeah, this did feel a little same-ish that said, I, you know, the kids really liked it. I, I was actually really surprised particularly how much Kara liked this movie. Oh, wow. And I can't quite tell if something really deep appealed to it to her or if she just liked the idea that the guy became a cat halfway through. <laughs> I, you know, spoilers! I know. <laughs> yeah, hashtag spoilers. Sorry, folks. Um, but uh, I, I don't know. If anybody's as, as uh, entertainment starved as everybody else has been through Corona, hopefully most people are, are watching that at this point. <laughs> but... Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, you know, I was surprised because actually she asked me to like put it on again. We started watching it at my in-laws and then she's like, put it on. And so I was like, all right. So we started over and finished it here. But yeah, I don't know. Nice, nice movie. It, it does feel thematically very similar to um, Inside Out and, and as you say, Coco. Um, so yeah. The, 
the other thing, the, the, the hallmark of a Pixar movie is that it tugs at your heartstrings and you, you tear up as an adult. You, you look back and you're like, wow, this is very emotional. And this movie never got there. Like there, there were moments where it's like, oh, this is where they're trying to be Pixar. And they just fell flat with it. And that's, that is what, what Pixar is known for. Every, every single Pixar movie, even Cars, which I think is the worst of the Pixar movies, <laughs> all have a moment that, that make the adult audience uh, tear up. And, and there just wasn't, it wasn't here. Like the, the heart of, of Pixar seems to have left with Lasseter is, is really what I'm getting at. <laughs> it's either that or we're, we're starting to get cynical. <laughs> like, ugh, Oh, we're definitely this. cynical. That's for sure. <laughs> He's redeemed himself at the end and had his chance, and, and I don't feel it. <laughs> I'm cold-blooded. I am not cold-blooded. I cried at Christmas Shoes, uh, the song, like I do every year. <laughs> Very nice. All right. Well, that feels as good a time as any to jump over to our next segment, which, is, of course, is our box office 30 for January 1991. Okay, so we've got the list here. Um, our probably no surprise. Our top film for January again is Home Alone, sixty-two million this month. Um, so we're obviously moving to our second runner-up this month, which is again great, great movie, Kindergarten Cop, earning thirty-nine million in the month. It opened on December twenty-second, so it just kind of got a little brief start in December before kind of picking up a lot more steam here in January. Obviously, putting it at our number two movie. And it goes on to make $91.5 million with a domestic-only release. No international release for Kindergarten Cop. I don't know if it uh, wasn't going to do great in the international markets, or now it would be a very interesting insight from you. I'm curious if uh, it didn't meet a list even then of how many movies they could uh, import. In a year. <laughs> We've seen a couple examples of a few movies that seemed like they should go international that never did. So maybe it was even the case back then. Well, back in the 90s, uh, China was closed to uh, international movies so that this wouldn't have been anywhere near the, the Chinese market. You also got to figure the movie had like a budget of 15 million and Schwarzenegger's got to be at least five to ten of that. So they probably didn't have enough money to pay all the rest of the crew and cast and everything, and then have the marketing and distribution to go international because of Schwarzenegger's costs. Yeah, it's starting to get me itchy. I got to take some time and, and really try and dig back in some 90s movie history and see what would have pushed movies. I mean, like I feel like now movies live and die by what their international numbers mm -hmm. are, and so many theaters are releasing movies based on that idea and market. Um, you know, we've had some over the course of discussing the podcast that have done big, big, you know, numbers internationally. So they're got to be going somewhere. I don't know if it's, if it's landing more in an Indian market or, um, you know, Europe, even like, yeah, well, I mean, certainly that sort of thing. Yeah. I would also think that that's a movie like kindergarten cop, um, kindergarten, in, especially in this movie in the nineties was a very American concept. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I feel like Schwarzenegger has international appeal at that point in time, though. So I don't know. I mean, it's, it feels like it could, like, fish around somewhere else. But I don't know. Interesting to look up. I, I don't know. It's it's just kind of a weird movie. Maybe it just didn't jive with, with the international market. Who knows? I guess. Hard to say. I guess it's weird to drop this movie in the holidays. It's not really a Christmas movie. <laughs> was Godfather 3? <laughs> that was Christmas Day. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if because of Home Alone, they didn't release it internationally or or something because of the fact that like Home Alone was just so massive. Also, I thought it was kind of odd that they released this around the holidays and not like in March or even maybe like September because it's a school thing. Yeah, I mean, you know, I 
either studios realized that Home Alone, I mean, I, I, Home Alone took off and like steamrolled everybody. So I don't think it was like a preemptive thought on releasing films. There just wasn't much in the way of like holiday winter movies, I feel like, at the end of 1990. Um, so I think a few of these just wayward movies, and, and I feel like that's the case every December. There's always just some random movies that pop up and become kind of, you know, stuff in that time slot, whether they feel. Uh, here's where my guess is it's a family ish movie, even though it's got the PG 13 rating. I, I think they're just fishing around for a little bit of that. Like people are off from school, you know, new year's like winter market, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Um, as you say, I feel like it could also do well in a, in a summer sort of setting. But if I had to guess, I think that's probably where this one's falling, <laughs> you know, just kind of one of those like odd one outs at the end of the year there. In in movie history right now in in 1990, do we have that summer blockbuster yet, or or is this still a little too soon? Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean we we kicked off the podcast um, with Total Recall, um, which is like, you know, that's definitely that whole thing, and then we followed it right up after that with um, Die Hard Two. So there's definitely um, that sort of summer blockbuster. And again, going back to even the movies we'll be getting into in 1991, you've got things like Terminator Two and stuff like that popping up. Okay. So. It's for sure a thing. So I don't know if it's, again, like if they felt like it wouldn't do well against right. some of those sort of films. Um, I mean, you have to also think of it in terms of Schwarzenegger's a very busy person at this point. <laughs> you know, he's doing quite a few different films. And it might just be where it popped up in his filming and release schedule, too, frankly. So taking a look down the list, the top grossing movie that actually came out in January is a movie called Lionheart. Do either of you know of that one? <laughs> I have a vague recollection of this film. It was a Van Damme movie. Um, I'm not going to be able to tell you much more about it than that. Um, it's just, I guess, essentially worth pointing out that that's number eight on the list. Um, and then you don't have another January release until um, Disney's White Fang, which is at number 13. So all of that is to say that the November and the December movies are really holding strong at this point and that there's just not a lot of big, interesting stuff really coming down the pipe in, uh, in January. I mean, we're gonna, we had, I felt like we had this back in September or something like that. It's another month where there's just not um, terribly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Ghost was a phenom. I mean, you know, we talked about that, but it's it's still there. I mean, that's that's all the way down at number 20, breaking in 5.9. All right. Um, um, I do see number 18 is The Rescuers Down Under, uh, Walt Disney uh, yes. <laughs> Studios. Um, it's just uh, this box office mojo is very interesting how they, they list the, the distributor uh, for this movie as Walt Disney Studios Motion Pictures, even though Walt Disney Animation Studios is its own studio. Yes, one thing I'll say about Box Office Mojo, it's 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 not a perfect solution. We've found a few problems with it, including when we were going to talk about um, Godfather 3 and they had renamed Godfather 3 Godfather Coda, which is this kind of new re-release. So <laughs> there's definitely funny hiccup things that we find in there. They just sort of like change the metadata here and there. So it's okay. it's a it's a guideline, but not a true uh, set of, of, of law for some of these things. Where do you stand on the rescuers versus the rescuers down under? Yeah, Mike and I were chatting about this Ooh. one of the uh, previous podcasts. I think that they aren't sequels to each other. <laughs> they're, they're not. They're they're two completely different things. Um, other than having the the two mice characters, um, and they just could have done any other two mice characters like it could have been an anthology of the rescuers it didn't have to be those same two two characters um i think that the um the the aesthetics of the rescuers down under was so much better than the rescuers but we're talking about many years of animation in between and and little mermaid in between also which is the the crowning glory of the disney animation yeah i mean mike and i chatted about it but like rescuers for me just like Grim and slow. It's <laughs> just like it's missing all that like pop and vibrancy, which mm -hmm. maybe some would argue takes away something. But you know, I, I try. I said to Mike, I was trying to show it to the kids, and like they just completely lost interest in the rescuers like really quickly. Whereas I don't remember if I've started rescuers down under, but I could see them definitely being a little bit more attached and interested with that one. It's just got a little bit more 
flair. <laughs> it's got that 90s hip-hop punk going on. <laughs> yeah, it's got the uh, Australian uh, kick to it. <laughs> well, again, there's not terribly much of interest to, to really point out. I mean, again, out of other new movies that popped up in January are Not Without My Daughter, Light of the Intruder, Eve of Destruction. Um, I mean, at least one good one here. I don't know. I don't know if either of you have seen this. Um, either of you see the movie Cadence with Charlie Sheen back in the day? No. No, never. This one came to me, I think, via my cousins. And there's a few movies, like I've mentioned in the podcast before, that kind of came to me via that route. Um, if I recall it correctly, he's somebody who's in, like, an army prison and, like, befriends several other people that are in there and specifically i think there's like a group of guys that are um i don't know i'm probably gonna screw this up but they're almost like a drum core sort of thing and he gets in with them i just remember really loving this movie at the time i have no idea if this movie is a quality movie or not if i rewatched it now but it just rung a bell as i was going through the list uh and i was like oh i remember that very very vaguely <laughs> I, I also want to kind of dive down all the way to the bottom here. There's a movie at number 34, Men of Respect. It grossed $139,000 all over. And uh, let me read you the description of this movie. It's uh, it's something to be, to be uh, indulged. Okay. A hitman heeds a spiritualist prophecies that he will rise to the head of his family, he starts his ascension by clandestinely executing the heads of the family and casting the blame on others. However, with power comes consequences that are also predicted by the seer. Truth be told, I'm glad you pointed this one out, because like this is really truly the bottom of the bucket, despite having two other movies below it technically on the list. <laughs> this one's 139,000 ever <laughs> um you know so this one is, is definitely not going anywhere um i don't know yeah that one's that one's a really weird one uh, you know like i said there are two that don't quite do a lot of money after this which is um starting at the very bottom of the list the long walk home but this is at least a Whoopi goldberg sissy spacek movie that i've heard of you know what i mean like it's it yes even though I've, I've actually seen it yeah, um, I, I I clearly love Whoopi. I mean, I want to be Alma <laughs> May and love Sister yes. Act. Um, I I don't remember it. I, well, I had to click on it. I was like, that sounds familiar, but I don't remember any of it. But I did see it at one point in my life. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've at least definitely heard of it. It's it's floated out of my head if I ever would have watched it or not. The other one, which kind of lands between those two and feels like a good transitional one, is The Field which I got to do the movie voice for when a field which has been farmed by the McCabe family for generations goes up for auction. The patriarch of the McCabe family will stop at nothing to prevent a rich American from buying it. (laughs) Yes. I don't know. This one at least seems to have like a funny sort of uh, plot, but this one, unlike the other one goes on to at least do like just under 1.5 in gross. And it has a fairly decent um, group of people in it. It's got uh, Richard Harris, Sean Bean, and John Hurt, among others. So, I mean, it seems like it could be watchable. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'll watch anything with Sean Bean in it, so maybe I need to look this one up. <laughs> Add that to the list of terrible movies we need to watch now. <laughs> yeah, we've got quite a backlog going for that. <laughs> what was it? Red Surf with George Clooney we all got to go back to. <laughs> Oh, God, that movie. I forgot all about that. There's a part of me that thinks if you had George Clooney about that one, he'd go, what movie? (laughs) He's long since forgotten that, or tried to forget it anyway. (laughs) Well, speaking of forgetting, let's head into this month's Total Recall. All right. Our top movie, as we mentioned, is Kindergarten Cop. It is directed by the amazing Ivan Reitman. Has a fabulous DP for this movie. Do you know Michael Chapman, Michael? 
Yeah, I, I, I've heard of him. Yeah, this is a guy who, if you're unfamiliar, has a laundry list of amazing work. Um, just tons and tons of great flicks uh, under his uh, belt. Um, interestingly, when I was researching this, um, I, I discovered that this was written by a man named Maury Salim. Um, on first inspection, he has a fairly limited IMDb page. He mostly acted in a small number of films, TV shows, made-for-TV movies. Um, but of note with him is that he wrote nine scripts, eight of which were bought, um, which is pretty good. <laughs> you know. And there's definitely a track record of um, studios buying um, scripts from folks and then kind of doing nothing with them. And this is sadly the case with a lot of his films. Um, uh, eight of the nine were bought, and then uh, most of them were mothballed. The one that didn't get mothballed turned out to be Kindergarten Cop. Um, so fairly successful movie uh, for kind of an otherwise um, unknown uh, writer and actor. Um, it also appears that the little-known uh, 2016 sequel, Kindergarten Top 2, um, might have also featured one of his <laughs> stories. It's a little hard to tell. There's a sequel? <laughs> He's credited with that. Um, this is that one I think it either has, I think it's Dolph Lundgren uh, is in the role. And I wanted to see it when I heard about it. I never saw it. Did either of you ever see it? No, definitely no, not. I didn't, know I didn't even know it existed. Thing. Absolutely. Yeah, no. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously like, you know, one of those like, take the uh, B version of Schwarzenegger, which is Lundgren, and, and do the B version of the script, which is Apparently, whatever the second one is, I have no idea what the story is. Um, sadly, uh, Murray passed away uh, in 1998 due to AIDS complications, just short of his 48th birthday. Um, but, uh, you know, it, I'm really happy that somebody like him has such a hallmark of a film um, credited to him, at least. You know, I mean, if, if the rest of his IMDb isn't something where you recognize a lot of the movies or the roles, this is a really big deal movie that's become a really big cult classic. A lot of people have seen it and seen it and seen it, you know. So it's it's pretty cool that, um, you know, he has this nice writing credit um, to his name. Past that, uh, the movie stars Arnold Schwarzenegger, obviously, um, Penelope Ann Miller, Pamela Reed, who's fabulous, Richard Tyson, and twin child actors, which I did not know at the time, but I realized as I was doing a little research here, Joseph and Christian Cousins as Dominic. Uh, it's also worth pointing out the music is composed with frequent Reitman collaborator Randy Edelman, um, whose music you've heard elsewhere in Ghostbusters 2, Twins, Beethoven, The Mask, My Cousin Vinny, Billy Madison, many episodes of MacGyver, and one of my all-time Sean Connery favorites, Dragonheart. <laughs> Are you guys Dragonheart people? <laughs> I see Mike like rolling his head no, rather than his no, eyes. <laughs> not at all. Definitely not. No. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just excited to remember the movie Beethoven. Like I'd forgotten that that existed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's another one I've been kind of like waiting to show the kids only just because I think they'd be like a little bit scared by, uh, I mean, I feel like I remember being scared um, by like the fact they were going to kill him and like burn him and all this mm -hmm. sort of thing. I was like, that freaked me out as a kid. <laughs> yeah. No, it's a, it, I mean, it's a good movie though. Yeah, we'll get back to Beethoven, but yes. So, Tom, uh, special guest honors. Um, we like to have the guest uh, take first crack at recalling um, the film of choice here. <laughs> so I know you mentioned to me you didn't cheat, you didn't rewatch it. So so what do you think? What, what pops into your head when you go back and think about Kindergarten Cop? Boys have penises, girls have vaginas. Oh, <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> and and who is your father and what does he do? Oh, God. Yes. yes. Yeah, we were saying this about Total Recall, but like probably this movie is even maybe even more quotable than, than some of the other Schwarzenegger's movies. <laughs> oh, this is probably his most quotable movie. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Definitely the most right, portable. So I, think. I until you guys had just mentioned Dominic, I had completely forgotten that there was like an actual plot to this movie. <laughs> <laughs> um I I remember that that there's the female cop and she gets the flu or or something and she was supposed to go undercover as a kindergarten teacher. And of course, there's nobody else in in the department who could do this except for Arnold Schwarzenegger. 
And he's just a horrible kindergarten teacher. <laughs> and so there's a good chunk of the movie where, where, where it's just him being a horrible kindergarten teacher, which is very reminiscent of a lot of movies that, that or movies and TV shows that have teachers. Um, teachers uh, are generally portrayed as the villains of movies or, or um, the bumbling idiots, such as in Kindergarten Cop. Um, back in undergrad, we actually had to, I had to write a paper about uh, teacher portrayals of teachers in mass media, such as movies and books and, and television. And it was hard to find um, outside of like dangerous minds and, and lean on me um, of positive teacher uh, portrayals. Um, so, so kindergarten cop felt falls right into that, that the, the, this bumbling teacher, anybody can be a kindergarten teacher. Uh, take this guy. He can do it. <laughs> What about Mr. Feeney? <laughs> one of the few. One of the few. Um, that is really the extent of it. Until you guys mentioned Dominic, I, like I said, I completely forgot that there's, there's an A plot. I just remembered the B plot of, of this, um, of the kindergartenness of it all. Um, like I said before, I, I, I taught kindergarten for 11 years, 14 years in early childhood. And the last time I watched Kindergarten Cop was mm, five or six years ago. And it was just so cringeworthy. The things that like, like he left the room. You don't leave the you don't leave a room of five year olds. Like, like, like even in the 90s, you didn't. Just to fill in one little plot point for you, just because I'm curious your thoughts on it. So so one of the reasons that him and that other cop were coming in is because um, there's a character named Crisp who is Dominic's drug dealing okay. father. Um, and this is who um, Arnie has been trying to track down. John Kimball has been trying to track down. Um, what do you think coming from the uh, teacher's perspective, how likely it would be to have somebody come in as a undercover police officer to watch over that child in that situation rather than some other kind of intervention with the school. Absolutely not. I mean, <laughs> you, you cannot, uh, go, uh, especially in today's world, you, you cannot go into the classroom uh, unless you have legitimate classroom reasons. And, and even a substitute teacher needs to get processed through, through the Department of Education. Um, I mean, there might be ways around that, but why wasn't she just a teacher's aide then <laughs> and, and, and supporting in the classroom in some other <laughs> non-lead uh, role where, where, where someone without the training can actually do that? Yeah, I know. It's, there's a little things like that that don't really work. Tom, any any itch to um, leave the teaching profession and become a undercover? I mean, if, if I'm in the, <laughs> I, an undercover one, well, that's completely different than being like a beat police officer. So, <laughs> <laughs> yes, you get to wear like any, any fancy hats or things like that to disguise yourself. <laughs> uh, I'm ready to watch it again. I've I've got nothing else. But what I thought we would maybe do is our preview review because um, I've been really enjoying all these 90s trailers and the 90s trailer movie voice. And I don't think this one's going to disappoint here. So um, the other funny thing, Tom, that we've been really running into with these is that some of these trailers don't hold much back. They've been really giving the whole plot away. So <laughs> it's a good way to get the uh, mini recall going. So here we go. We're going to cue this up and we're going to count it down. Ready? Three, two, one. 71st anniversary. Now, more than ever. Yeah. requires patience, <laughs> kindness, <laughs> and understanding. Ah, he was looking at the girls' Astoria Elementary underwear. hired such an individual. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Well, he should have like a weird little goatee there. Cop. Kindergarten is like the ocean. You don't want to. That's right. I forgot that those twin girls are always like just look like their mouths gaping open. 
Oh my god, what a disaster. He's an undercover detective. I assume you have some teaching experience. They wouldn't have sent me otherwise. A liar. Find a mother and son. Did Danny ever say what Crisp's wife looked like? That weird little beard is throwing me off. First, I would like to just get to know you. So funny he sat on the piano. That's unusual. He's been trained to shoot. What made you become a kindergarten teacher? He's been trained to fight. But there are some things. You mean you eat other people's lunches? Stop it! He's Stop it! To handle. <laughs> They're walking all over me. Listen, Kimball, you gotta handle this like any other police situation. You're going to be my deputy trainees. You're not gonna have your mommy's run behind you anymore and wipe your little tushes. You're a minor. <laughs> I'm not yeah, I'm curious if this would work in an actual classroom <laughs> setting. Arnold Schwarzenegger. You hit the kid, I hit you. Wow. In an Ivan Reitman film. That's right, yeah, there was some sort of like abuse thing going on with that. <laughs> Welcome to Astoria, the single parent capital of America. You got a little mustache. Must be from the milk. <laughs> that was Why so creepy. Kindergarten cop. That's right, too. I forgot about the, uh, they have to put on their little, like, uh, Abraham Lincoln, uh, presentation. <laughs> Alright, so this one was a little bit more tame as far as, like, giving away the major plot points. They did have Chris pop up there at one point, and I forgot to mention before, what, like, a, uh, Seagal-esque, like, slicked-back hair kind of proxy that guy is. Alright. Well, let's bring this train back into the station here. So uh, we're not saying goodbye yet, but Mike and I obviously want to make a big thank you to our good buddy and our guest Tom here for joining us. Um, obviously, we hope he'll join us again, if not even later this year for yes, Freddy's Dead. Thank Deb, you maybe. so much for having me. This is a lot of fun. <laughs> um, I bring this up, of course, though, to uh, mention if you're interested in being a guest in this next year, please get in touch with us via our social media channels. We are, as always, box office. 3-0 on Facebook and Twitter and box office T-H-I-R-T-Y on Instagram. Um, I, I was wondering if you had your uh, hypotheticals, if you wanted to take another stab at that while we've got uh, Tom here, Mike. Oh, but I do, yeah. So I have these boxes from Poddex. <laughs> okay. And uh, let's... We, we left off the end of last uh, year with one of these, and it's like I'm trying to make like a nice, bright, like happy New Year moment, and he's like, oh, would you rather like <laughs> work in a morgue or like a trauma ER and I was like wow that should fit the mood yeah. <laughs> if you do it's good this time <laughs> it was the perfect way to end 2020 was something horrible like that so, so here's the question and it says would you rather would you rather appear as a guest on your favorite TV show for or have a lifetime backstage pass to any concert you attend Hmm, very interesting. Tom, what do you think? You go first, Tom. TV show? Because I don't attend a lot of concerts. Okay, fair enough. That makes sense. I can understand that. Um, I... Any particular TV show you would like to be on? Does it have to be currently on television? I don't care. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> that sounds good choice. So I knew that would be coming. <laughs> All right, Pete, your turn. What do you got? Uh, my answer is basically the same as Tom's. Um, just again, because like I, I've gone to concerts, but I'm not a big concert person. Um, just too loud. I can't. <laughs> God, you're old. I'm, I'm an old soul. You're old, dude. Blasters, oh, you know. <laughs> you music. Um, favorite TV show for it? Yeah, I don't know. Again, I think now. Again, like, is it? Are you an act? Read maybe the part of like. I'm guest on the TV show, or are you like actually like this person in that TV show's universe? Would you rather appear as a guest on your favorite TV show? So it would literally just be like you as you popping up in like a TV show that you like. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's fine. Which TV show? God, I don't know. Um, it could go with something dopey like. Um, Big Bang Theory, maybe. <laughs> Just because I think it would actually be kind of fun to hang out on set with that lot. Um, 
there's probably more serious movies, but I don't know that I would fit in in that <laughs> in that space. I could pull off the uh, being a nerd with a group of nerds sitting around eating Chinese food pretty well. I think, <laughs> but they're eating Thai food. It's Thai food they eat. Thai, yeah. Well, Thai's even better, frankly. So I guess if you know, I'm going to be a little bit different, and I will go with the concert. And I'll tell you why. Like, just think of it this way: like, could you imagine having a lifetime ability to go backstage to see? the Rolling Stones or Paul McCartney or Bruce Springsteen or Billy Joel or for me like Mumford and Son like go backstage and like hang out with these people how cool would that be like that would be amazing I don't know fair enough yeah it definitely presents more opportunities it seems like (laughs) yeah well again in addition I want to thank the guys over at the Retro Network they sent along this great gift uh, this year which is the big movie quiz um, so I'm hoping that we can actually incorporate that into the show um, in a fun, ongoing way. I'm thinking of actually incorporating that in a way uh, that our fans can interact with us on uh, social media. So we'll see if we've got uh, something fun for that coming up. Um, we'll have our review of Kindergarten Cop in two weeks on Friday. Um, and then finally, a um, bit of exciting news. We'd like to invite you to check out our brand spanking new Tee Public store. Ooh, we have a uh, which I didn't even store? tell you that we you made. did not. That's exciting. <laughs> you can buy uh, merchandise there now with the box office thirty logo on it. Hopefully, we'll be adding some other fun designs there uh, over time as well. Some more um, things for me to buy, like that's yes, a movie. exactly. <laughs> um, you can find the link in the show notes on our socials and at boxoffice30.com. I will be posting all those things probably before this episode drops, um, so we can get some folks uh, checking those out. That's exciting. That's pretty cool. Look at that. You got more shirts. Yeah. Especially if we do the video. Yes. <laughs> I have so many shirts. I'm going to be funding our podcast with all my shirts and hoodies and this and that. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, no, this is a way more costly uh, uh, venture for us than it is for anything else. <laughs> yeah. You know, no one wants a shirt that I'm going to buy for there them. You know, I, I put the hoodie option in there. Good, good. I'm glad. Even got a pretty close blue, so it's, it's pretty good. <laughs> nice. That's cool. I like a blue hoodie. All right. Well, again, another huge, huge thank you to Tom for joining us. Thank you so much, sir. You um, shed a lot of really great perspective. Um, thank unique you. Perspective Thanks for having in, me. Um, for us, for our episode here. Yeah, and and definitely come back for Freddy's Dead, a new nightmare. Freddy's, or dead. Freddy's dead. The final Freddy's nightmare. Dead. Whatever. Not new called. nightmare. That's later. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. It's the oh, it's the, the final I don't nightmare. Remember. Whatever. <laughs> new nightmare. Hopefully, we can talk <laughs> new nightmare. To be honest. <laughs> Yes, one is good and the other one is Freddy's dead. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh! <laughs> I didn't know that. Oh boy. But again, thank you, Tom, for joining us. Thanks, guys. It was so fun to have you catch up. So long. Bye. Bye. Thanks, friends. of the Retro Network.